This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Melanie. She finally got her front door painted today. And there's Miranda. She loves to wear overalls. I was looking at my calendar earlier, and I realized that when... This episode drops, Bonnaroo will have just ended. And I know you've got to be devastated because that's your thing. And listeners, you don't know this about Melanie just yet, but she probably has like 17 or 18 Bonnaroo posters throughout her house of all of the ones she's been to. And it's just your thing. It's your thing. And your husband got to play there. I mean, you've got to be brokenhearted. I don't have 17 or 18, but I do have at least seven (laughs) Bonnaroo posters. And yes, this particular week is always really hard to not be there. Although I do think as as all good things, it has changed. It's different than what it was when when we started going. But I can't remember, Miranda, if I've ever told you the story of like the first year that we decided to go to Bonnaroo. Did I did I ever tell you about that? Like we were like Melanie, I have heard so many Bonnaroo stories from you over the years. Well that's never burned into my mind. I don't think this is one of them. We were music festival virgins. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Jeremy and I have gone to tons of concerts throughout our lives and our relationship, but we had never gone to like a camping festival before. Mm -hmm. So how old were you? Would you think? Well, we were already married, so we would have been in our like mid 20s, I would say, as an estimate. We're like mid 20s. Okay. And, you know, I'm always the researcher. So I had done some Googling, you know, whatever. We thought we were prepared. We were meeting people that we knew. Thank God. Essentially, we had like a tent, an Mm -hmm. air mattress, a bunch of water, and like a box of granola bars. That doesn't sound like enough stuff. Are you kidding me? That's nowhere near enough stuff. Like, <laughs> okay. So for those of you who haven't been to a festival, particularly Bonnaroo, but it's it's in the mountains. It's a region of Tennessee that you're fairly familiar with. So it's like cool evenings, right? Mm-hmm. But in the morning, the sun comes out and it mm-hmm. means it. Yeah, it gets so, hot. You can't just stay in your tent 
you're tired because you're up all night listening to music. You can't just stay right. in your tent all day and sleep because it's like a hundred degrees. Yeah, you it's like a sweat lodge in your tent. So yeah, we were like these idiots thinking, oh, well, we can just hang out in our tent, you know, it'll be good, whatever. And oh, we'll no, a granola bar, like not factoring in that you're like out in the blazing sun all day long. And oh, like granola bar level energy is not going to not do not like, enough. You need more sustenance than that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like they have food there, but you don't want to spend like all of your money. I mean, we were in our mid 20s. We were yeah. broke. Nobody like, can afford to eat Uh -uh. out of a food truck three times a day so thank (laughs) god for my cousin and um the the guy that she was dating at the time they were like whitewater rafting guides like like this is just (laughs) totally what they do and so they had this van with this big tarp off the back which was like a huge shaded area and they had like ways to cook and all of that kind of stuff um you know so they they took care of us and we learned nice, a nice. lot that year okay so many i have so many stories and many of them are very incriminating so i'm just walking <laughs> the fringe here because bonnaroo or any music festival is really that's your time to live that's your time to be who you want to be i mean one year we got into an argument amongst this huge group of very intelligent successful people none of whom i will call out about whether the tater tots should be called bonnetots or tataroos i mean oh wow i still don't know i I don't know either either. man i think i gotta go with tataroos yeah but then it's like bonnetots has a pretty good ring to it too they both sound really good well one year okay and this was like at the peak of like when wookies like uh you know, Yeti hunting. Like there's those shows where they're like Yeti. They're looking for the Yetis in the woods, right? Oh, like the Sasquatches. Okay. Like Sasquatches or Yetis. A Wookiee is like what Chewbacca is. So they're not on our planet. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Okay. No, I know. They're not here. They don't live here. Please put yourself (laughs) at Bonnaroo. A Wookiee, a Yeti, a Sasquatch. They're all basically the same thing. Okay, gotcha. Big so that particular year, people were yeti hunting in the campground. So in the middle of the night, in the middle oh of goodness. the night, you would hear this, whoop, woo, <laughs> They were yeti hunting. Oh my I, goodness. I, don't know. I mean, it's such a great time. Do you want to talk about when Jeremy was invited to play at Bonnaroo? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. That was incredible. So so that was an entirely different experience. And actually, we should definitely include that on this podcast. So it was a a very miraculous thing. At that point, Jeremy and I had been to six Bonnaroo's together. And then we had had a child. So then we were like parents, you know, and then... He got an invitation to play at Bonnaroo, which is crazy because who get who gets that? You know, right, right. It's literally like, hey, we want you to play at Bonnaroo this year. You don't say no. Like you go to Bonnaroo, you play. I mean, at I don't think that anybody would say no, but for someone who had been to six Bonnaroo's in a row to get that invite is mind blowing. You know, Amazing. so of course I'm like, I'm not missing that opportunity. Right. I want to go. Like, obviously I have no musical talent whatsoever, but I want to go. 
he did get a couple free tickets. So, and you were going to come with me, but you had literally just given birth like a month and a half before. Just had a child. Yeah. Like who, who was still living on my tits. So yeah, it wasn't, was no it wasn't going to happen. That, that was going to happen. So another very good friend of ours came, but this girl, I don't think had ever been camping in her entire life. And I talked her through every bit of what she needed to bring and she was very good about listening i mean we were well prepared we had like a very nice setup in our little spot and we were both away from children for the first time in since we'd had them i think basically it's amazing yeah yeah it really was amazing we had like a really good spot too and so of course we were there for we didn't get to stay for the whole thing but we were there for the first three days so we got to check out like a bunch of other bands and one night we had a really really good time And I will not give you details, but I ended up completely terrified in a field. (laughs) And we were listening to the XX, which still... If if I hear their music, I get anxious. I'm like, oh god, oh, yeah, they're PTSD. Very, they're very talented. They're very talented, but that that wasn't the problem. And I'm trying not to ruin my friend's time because she doesn't ever get to go out or do things. So I'm like very quietly like counting blades of grass, sitting Indian style on the ground. And we finally get our way out of there. I was like trying to text my husband but like I couldn't look at my phone because it was too much. It was, I, and so we leave <laughs> and we're like, we're making our way. And I'm like, okay, at this point in time, cause it's been several years since Jeremy and I went to our original Bonnaroo's and they have like actual bathrooms, like flush bathrooms that didn't mm-hmm. exist when we first started going. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's like amazing. Like there's a bathroom (laughs) and a sink and like all of this, you know. Well, we come out of the bathroom and I find a coconut laying in the field. This is my favorite In a field in the middle of Tennessee. There is a coconut, like a full-fledged coconut with the like, with the the brown part on the outside, the whole thing. The husk, yeah, everything. And like I bend down and pick it up and show it to my friend like it's a newborn rare bird. I'm like, look, there's a coconut. How did it get here? That is so weird. That's amazing. <laughs> and here's the real funny part. So we sat down for a while. They also, not only have they added flush bathrooms with sinks, <laughs> but they have phone charging stations. Like there's electricity oh, wow. in the middle yeah, of the that's field. Incredible. So we sit down at a phone charging station and charge our phones for a while. Well, I didn't charge mine because I still couldn't look at it, but she charged her phone. <laughs> and then as we're leaving, we're, you know, we're, we're, everything's making more sense. We're like, okay, we overdid it. We're moms that got away from our kids. <laughs> like our brains are working now and we're leaving there's a Bacardi stand that is, <laughs> of course, there's a Bacardi stand that is selling their rum drinks in, in coconuts. coconuts. 
there just it is. passing them out. Hundreds of them to everyone who gets I mean, wine. here you go. It's like there's coconuts <laughs> everywhere. If you guys find the coconut, like it's this amazing miracle of nature that it ended up in, this, in the field. Oh, I love it. That's my favorite. That's my favorite Bonnaroo story. The coconut story for me takes the cake. All I have to say is that everyone needs to take a moment and appreciate the smaller things in life, like field coconuts. Okay, Miranda. So what is our motherhood topic for this episode? So tonight's motherhood topic is going to kind of focus on school-age kids. We're going to talk about self-efficacy and how we can help our kids to feel more confident and more capable. And I'm going to reference a book that I talked about in an earlier episode. You'll remember, Melanie, it's Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. Is that Dr. Ross Green? No, no, this is a different one. Yeah, this Darn is, it. hold on, Stephen Glenn and Nane Nelson. Nane, hmm. what a cool name. What I want to kind of get into tonight are some bad habits that sometimes we do as parents, and I want to label those, and then give us a better habit or behavior to replace. And I think that's good to focus on in the summertime because a lot of times we have more flexibility with our schedules. We have more time to spend with our kids. There's not the pressure of homework that's sucking up all of your time in the evening. And sometimes you're staying up a little bit later than you usually do. You may even have like a vacation or family time planned. So there's lots of opportunities to kind of really hone in on your parenting skills and practice some focused strategies that you can then kind of employ as a habit later on, right? Yeah, no, that's awesome. There's absolutely more time for that kind of stuff in the summer. Because during the school year, you don't even have time to do the things you need to do. <laughs> You're just trying to survive. You're literally just trying to survive and play, praying that you find a coconut somewhere to help you make it through the day. Wishing. Wishing and praying, especially if there's Bacardi in it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're going to talk about perceptions of personal capabilities. So this is how capable or confident your child feels when they approach a task. So it's all about skill building. But we, of course, model so many things for them. And I think if we're not intentional in that area, we kind of can set them up for failure instead of success. And that's the last thing that we want. So what we're going to look at tonight are five behaviors or attitudes that are not really helpful. And we're going to call those the barriers. And then we're going to kind of look at those. We're going to examine those. We're going to kind of ask ourselves, oh, crap, I do that sometimes. And if you do, that's okay. The first thing is to recognize that it is there and that there's room for improvement because we're all works in progress, right? A hundred percent. All of us. All of us. So then we're going to talk about builders. So we're going to move from barriers to builders. The first barrier is making the assumption that your child can't do something. Have, have you ever done that before? Oh, a lot of times. And, and I guess I just speak for myself, but just to like get whatever it is done, I just mm -hmm. like take over and do it. Yep. Yep. And because we're like, oh my gosh, I don't have the time. Like you're taking forever. Let me just swoop in and do this for you. Right. And right. we just assume they're not going to be able to do it. 
So the problem is when we do that, whether we're saying anything out loud or not, we're kind of telling our kid by through our behavior, I don't believe that you can do this. I never really thought about it like that, but I guess that is kind of what it's. I mean, um, imagine if you're like sitting at your desk and you're like typing in some notes or something and somebody just comes over and starts typing them in for you and just assumes that you can't do it. Not a good feeling. Uh, I mean, honestly, that sounds amazing if somebody (laughs) wants to swoop in and type my notes. But um, yeah, it would be there would definitely be that like, whoa, hold on. Like, I can do this. So we're kind of, we're not verbalizing it, but we can be sending a message like, hey, I don't really believe that you can do this, so I'm going to do it instead. And I think what is a better way to handle that, instead of making an assumption, we can ask our child how they feel about their ability to do something. And that gives us some insight to their own self-perception. So the other night, I've actually been trying to practice what I preach, Melanie, And a couple weeks ago, I talked about using the summertime to let your child do more things and like practice more things around the house and cooking as one of those things. Right. Right. So I actually gave Fisher the opportunity to make his little cheesy pizza the other night, which this is a great task for a five-year-old, right? You get the uh, little dab of marinara sauce, you spread it around, you sprinkle on the cheese. That part we've done before. Tonight, or whatever night we were doing it, we actually talked about oven safety. And he turned on the oven and he handled the pan with pot holders and everything. Not bad. And throughout the process, you know, I kind of asked him, how how do you feel about opening the oven? Is that something you think you can do? And he said, yeah, I, I think I can do that. So he actually did. He took the hot pan out of the oven. And then when it came time to like actually cut the pizza and use the knife, I did the same thing. I said, hey, do you, do you want to cut the pizza or would you like for me to? And he said, I don't want to touch the knife because knives are sharp. So I, I cut the pizza, but like just pausing and asking him how he felt about it instead of just doing it for him and not giving him the opportunity to. And again, think about safety, think about your child's age. But instead of making an assumption, where can you ask your child how they feel? I feel like that's a good one. I need to try to do that more because I definitely have those certain things mm-hmm. that I just take over and do. Anything come to mind? Like anything in particular? I mean, almost everything. If I'm being honest, I I just, it's one of those things when you're parenting, it's going to get done quicker if you do it yourself. So I do mm-hmm. all of the food prep and all of the laundry and all of the pickup and you know, so I definitely need to make mm-hmm. my kid do more. The next one is explaining or rescuing your child. And this is really similar, but I think about like mansplaining, like when my husband mm. mansplains something to me, like a lot of times we parents explain stuff to our kids or we rescue, we jump in and we rescue them and solve the problem for them. And what we can do instead is explore, give them time to explore and have some space and freedom to engage in the problem solving process. So don't jump in right away. Let them kind of see what to do. Let them experiment and figure something out. My husband would be a big fan of that. One of the biggest pet peeves he has with me as far as parenting is 
he will ask Jonah something and I answer before there's like even time for Jonah to answer. Oh, like, interesting. He'll be like, I, and I guess it's not, it's not something that it's like, I'm not trying to take that away from him, but mm-hmm. I'm just like trying to cut to the chase. You know, we're always mm-hmm. in such a rush to yeah. like get all of the things done. Yeah. And Jeremy will be like, Mel, I'm asking him. <laughs> and I'm like, don't slow blink at me, sir. <laughs> okay. But I have to consciously make myself like not jump in and answer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that applies to a lot of situations. <laughs> it sounds like you're getting mansplained too after you momsplain. <laughs> I momsplain for sure. And then the mansplaining comes after. Right? Yeah. It's a mess. We're a mess over here. It's Give us some crazy. More tips. It's crazy. So instead of explaining, let your child explore. Don't give them the answer give them some space to figure it out i like that the next one is instructing so this is like you're telling your child every single thing to do it's very controlling it's very stifling and it can make children and adults feel resentful and frustrated and again of course like we have to prompt our children to do things we have to give them parameters and set barriers and expectations for them but i think this is when it gets into like every single thing to do instead of giving them again some autonomy to do it themselves so the builder here to the barrier of instructing is inviting this is explaining the problem or the challenge and then asking them for their ideas and their solutions and involving them in the process, building up their critical thinking skills. So it's very similar, like don't explain, let them explore, don't instruct, invite them to come up with a solution on their own. You know, hey, what do you think we could do about this? I think that's great. I think that this is definitely something that needs to be explored in the summer. Because when you are trying to get out the door by 7 a.m., there is not time to invite <laughs> them to problem solve. Right. At and least not in my house. <laughs> we do not have time to explore solutions. We don't even have time to tie our shoes until we're in the car. <laughs> it's so true. It's so go, true. Go, go, go. <laughs> You said your family is like home alone in the morning oh trying my to get gosh, ready. Yeah, it's so no funny. Like, okay, honey, today <laughs> we're gonna let you explore. <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's a different Bonnaroo mom that's doing that's that. A different person that doesn't adhere <laughs> to like structured schedules. Right, right, right. We struggle over here because, you know, Brad makes Fisher's smoothie in the morning and Fisher spends a lot of time with his smoothie <laughs> in the morning. Oh my gosh, he, I do not have patience. Oh my that. gosh, no, he will be sitting there for, I hate to like say this, but it's like a 20 minute ordeal for him to sit there, drink his smoothie and eat his bar. And then I'm the one who in the last 10 minutes is like, okay, you got to go upstairs. You got to get dressed. You got to put your socks and shoes on. You got to come brush your teeth. You got to get your morning time gummies. We've got to go. 
And I've been setting timers for him, which is a tip I took from you because he gets motivated when there's like, you know, a, a time that he has. to. Oh, beat. yeah. No, we have like <laughs> when, like when it comes to like when we're still in the school year. Yeah. We have like three different alarms that go off. There's oh the gosh, one that's yes. like, <laughs> we need to be walking out the door in five minutes. And then there's the, we need to be walking out the door right now. Go, go, Love go. It. Yes. <laughs> we got no time to what explore. we got to do. And that's the thing is it's like school year is its own thing. So in the summer, we have a little bit more flexibility and freedom to try out some of these things and just see what your yeah. kids do. See what they come up with. Okay. The next one is expecting too much too soon and placing unrealistic expectations on your child, focusing on maybe their shortcomings. So maybe you have unrealistic expectations. That's the key word there. And the builder for that is to show excitement for their small successes to encourage them to keep making progress toward their goals. So instead of getting like really defeated when your child doesn't like accomplish this big thing, try to praise them like along the way with the little things that they do, right? We're trying to get Fisher to like ride his bike more. And, you know, I don't expect him to hop on his bike and just go right around the neighborhood for 30 minutes. Like that's not, he's not there yet. But if he is like, hey, can I ride my bike on our walk tonight? And he like puts his helmet on. It's like, oh my gosh, that's something we can get excited about and encourage and celebrate. So focus on the positive things and build in some positive reinforcement rather than making your child feel like they're not living up to your expectations. Okay. The last one, you're going to like this, using adultisms. So slipping into these speech patterns where you say things like what your parents said <laughs> and, and kind of yeah. losing that insight of what it's like to be a kid. Did you have anything that like your parents said to you oh, regularly? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got I got a big one and I actually caught myself saying it to Jonah not that long ago and had a moment where I was like, oh, no. <laughs> My child is very much like I was as a child, very analytical, like needs everything explained in and and once it's explained, we're on board. But mm -hmm. you know, I'm still like that, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's so true. <laughs> you just you just have to explain it to me and then it's like, okay, give me a minute, explain it to me and I'll be okay. And the worst thing that my mother ever used to say to me was because I said so. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got that plenty of times, too. I found that personally so offensive, even <laughs> as like a seven year old, I would be like, <gasps> what? But that doesn't explain. But why? Right, right, right. And looking uh, back now, being in the shoes that I'm in now, uh -huh. That was literally just my mom at the end of her rope. Like she had probably explained to me right. 5,000 things oh, that my day. Oh goodness, right. And she needed me <laughs> to do this one more. And I was still asking because that's how it came out of me. Right. Like, I was like, no, you just have to do it because I said so. Oh, and then I was no. like, oh, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that's like the perfect adultism. So all of these speech patterns that our parents used to say that we remember like really bothering us as kids and then we're dishing those same thing out. 
Do you have a good one? Oh, gosh. I've definitely done the because I said so and then immediately oh. felt like I needed to like clean my mouth out with soap. My dad definitely had more than my mom. I guess I can't really be mad at him for having this. The one he always said, especially like the older I got, was be aware of your surroundings. And it was kind of like, because I was just like the loo-dee-da-dee-doo-dee-da, like kid, like skipping through yeah. the meadow, like not paying attention to anything, like about to be run over by a car. And my dad's like, Miranda, be aware of your surroundings. And it used to bother me when he said that, but I'm like, I do need to be aware of my surroundings. Thank you, dad. <laughs> you sometimes still need to be aware of your surroundings. I do. I do. And that's actually a really good tip. That's so not a bad I one. mean, just like forward thought, if if Jonah ever has a podcast similar to this, I can almost <laughs> promise you what he would say. Oh, okay. What is he it? Oh would gosh. say that his mom uh-huh. drove him crazy his entire life saying, protect your neck. <laughs> <laughs> what? I've never heard you say that. What is I that? say it all the time. What is that? You know why? That you and I, okay, hold on. <laughs> you and I work with people who have really significant disabilities, it's and true. some of those are spinal cord injuries. Oh my goodness! And traumatic brain injuries, and many of those come because people were doing things that were not cautious relating <laughs> to their head and neck, and I have put that on him. <laughs> At the age of like, I mean, I think I started saying that when he was five. What? And like, he'd be like jumping off the couch and I'm like, don't do that. You have to protect your neck. (laughs) That's crazy. But not that long ago, I overheard him on the trampoline with a friend. Uh And he said, oh, dude, be careful. You got to protect your neck. I think it might be doing something. I don't know. That's amazing. So mine is, and you'll remember it, the thing that I tell Fisher all the time is good listeners make good choices. Oh, yeah. You definitely harp on the good choices. We say that all the time. I'm like, good listeners make good choices. It's like a song. (laughs) We are exhausting, aren't we? (laughs) We're sorry, children. Okay, so we've talked about all these different adultisms. Clearly, they make us feel some type of way. Instead of Mm -hmm. using adultisms, acknowledge that your child is a child, give them grace and space to make mistakes. So when you catch yourself saying one of these things that like used to viscerally bother you (laughs) when you were a child, take a step back, pause, acknowledge your child's a child, give them some grace and some space and maybe handle it a different way. Okay. Well, I mean, I will agree to not say because I said so, but I am always going to tell him to protect his neck. because (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. You can have that one. All right. So we've talked about the barriers. We've talked about the builders. Let's just summarize those really quickly. And then I'm going to leave you with a homework assignment. So the first barrier is making an assumption that your child can't do something. Instead of making an assumption, do you remember what you can do as a builder? Encouragement. Asking. Oh, asking. Sorry. No, I failed. (laughs) 
ask your child how they feel about their ability. And that gives you insight to their self-perception. So don't assume when you can ask. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next one is explaining. So that's like the mom explaining, rushing in, saving them and explaining it away. I told you so. I told you that would happen. Blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. Instead, allow your child time to explore. Give them some space and freedom to engage in the problem solving process. The third one is instructing. So instead of instructing your child on every single thing to do, do you remember the the builder for that one? I'm not going to remember any of the builders. <laughs> so I bet it starts with an I. It does. It's invite. So don't instruct. invite. <laughs> for those of you at home who haven't caught on, it's always the same letter. So instead of instructing your child on what to do, invite them for their ideas. Ask them what the possible solution could be. Okay, the next barrier is expecting too much too soon or placing unrealistic expectations on your child. Instead of doing that, get excited. Show excitement for the small successes that your child has. There's the ease. <laughs> the last one is adultisms. Instead of using those adultisms, respect and acknowledge your child is a child give them some space. So those are the barriers. Those are the builders. Your homework is to think about if there's like a tendency that you have that's kind of a barrier and how can you replace it with a builder? What can you do to kind of this summer when you're with your child work on using some of those more positive building behaviors to help them build their own self-confidence, their self-efficacy, and their self-perception of their capabilities to be successful. Ta-da! I think that was excellent. Okay. Melanie, you are just a champion. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> What topic are you bringing us tonight? What medical mystery are you going to share with well, us? Well, I wanted to stick with the summer theme that we're rolling with right now. And I actually wanted to bring up several. It's three different topics, but they are all interrelated. Sun poisoning, dehydration, and heat stroke. Oh, okay. Okay. So these are all obviously things that we want to avoid in the mm -hmm. summer. So mm -hmm. there will be some tips included in this. But I have always heard the term sun poisoning. Does that mm -hmm. mean anything to you? Like you'll hear, mm -hmm. like growing up, I would hear people be like, oh, you'll get sun poisoning. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was like a really bad sunburn. And you're... You're basically exactly right. It is a very severe sunburn. So... We already did a whole episode on sunburn, so I'm not going to go into the specifics on that. It's great. You should listen to it. If you haven't listened to it, everybody, it is episode number, wait for it, wait for it, 11, and it's fantastic, and I highly recommend it. 
So please reflect back to episode 11 when it comes to sunburn. But sun poisoning is kind of taking that sunburn to the next level. The lethal level. So you're dealing with not only the skin redness and blistering, some swelling, but you end up with a headache, fever, chills, nausea, dizzy, you're dehydrated, all of those kinds of things. So it it is exactly as you said, Miranda, it's just a really bad sunburn. There is no poisoning involved. You have not been poisoned by the sun. You have just been exposed to too many UV rays is basically what it comes down to. So the same tips that I mentioned in episode 11 to avoid sunburn apply here. But if you already are to the point where you are kind of borderline sun poisoning, they do recommend that you take a cool, not cold, but a cool shower, drink extra fluids, make sure that you keep that sunburned skin covered for like a week or more. If you have to go outside, like say this happens to you on a vacation, you're mm-hmm. going to need one of those rash guard UV shirts because mm-hmm. you really shouldn't be exposed to the sun again. If this goes to a third level um, where your face is swollen or you develop a fever or chills or you're throwing up, then that is really when you need to seek medical attention. In my research on this, I learned about a couple of different conditions that I had never heard of before. One is, are you ready? Mm-hmm. One is called polymorphous light eruption. What in the world? Yeah. Or it's they shorten it to PMLE. And it is a reaction that isn't appeared to, it, it's not related to drugs or any kind of diseases. And it mm-hmm. happens with people who are exposed to an intense sunlight that aren't used to it. Mm-hmm. So the examples that I read about were people who lived in like very northern climates and then came to a tropical climate and they actually develop a rash that can appear just several hours after going out in the sun. It can be hives. It's it's a whole, like, it's like your whole body, like, just kind of freaks out because oh it's not goodness. used to the sun. Wow. Now, there's actually an inherited form of this PMLE that mm-hmm. occurs within Native Americans. So that's inherited and passed hmm. down. And yeah. it can last from spring until fall which sounds terrible wow wow and that can also include in addition to like rashes and hive like eruptions of the skin those folks end up with fatigue chills headache all of that kind of stuff so Mm. i thought that was really crazy i'd never heard of that there's another similar condition called solar uticaria and now that when i kept reading about it and i looked at it on a couple different sites but i think this is essentially people and my mother had a friend when i was growing up who was quote unquote allergic to the sun did you ever know anybody no but i watched this really scary movie one time at a sleepover and i forget (sighs) what it was called but the kids were like allergic to the sun and the mom had to keep them shut away in the house and then like there was this 
this creepy old lady that you thought was a kid and it like turned around. It was really scary. Oh, wow. I was going to say, I feel like that sounded like an episode of the X-Files. but Probably, yeah. No, I am not a scary movie person at all. And I've only seen a handful of them, but I am like they're burned in my memory because i'm like so terrified of scary movies yes that one was really scary i don't want to bring up your childhood trauma from scary (laughs) movies but this solar uticaria essentially to me sounds like folks who are allergic to the sun so Mm. if they're out in the sun they get itchy and red and it can even cause like um breathing issues wheezing dizziness that kind of thing so for these folks for either if they have the PMLE or the solar uticaria, they suggest, you know, obviously that you avoid the sun or make sure that you're using a very strong, broad spectrum sunscreen and that you could use um, skin steroid type treatments. Obviously, you're going to need to consult with a doctor on all of that. Do they have to take a vitamin D supplement, do you think? Oh, it doesn't mention anything about that and any of this stuff. I think it's actually just their reaction to the UV rays. There are folks that are, you know, very sensitive. The other thing that I kept seeing mentioned and stuff and and I know that I've said this before on some of our past episodes but be sure when it comes to summer that you're paying attention to all of the long list of things that's listed on any medications that you take because there are a number of antibiotics, antidepressants, and other types of medications that can really cause you to have significant reactions to the sun. No way. And you need to be prepared for that. Okay. Can I tell you a story then about my day today? Sure. (laughs) This is super relevant. So Fisher is actually taking antibiotics right now. It turns out he has an ear infection. It's a whole story. But so he's taking amoxicillin, but he's fine. You know, energy levels are fine. He's feeling good. He just has like a minor ear infection and like some sinusy stuff going on. So he really wanted to go to the splash pad today. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. It's Saturday. Let's go check it out. So we go to the splash pad. We're there for about an hour and a half. And then he is like, wiped out. I'm talking zonked. And you know my child. He... He doesn't get wiped out. He does not get wiped out. Like, I wish I could find how to wipe him out on a regular basis. But anyway, he is like so tired. And I'm like, what is going on? Because I slathered him with sunscreen because you taught me about that. Mm -hmm. I made sure he took plenty of breaks. He had plenty of juice to drink. And all day long, I'm scratching my head like, why was he so crazy today? I wonder if that was it. I wonder if it was from being on his antibiotics and being out in the sun. Well, I just did a very brief Google search and it does say, even if it doesn't say on the bottle, antibiotics of any kind, including amoxicillin, can make someone more sensitive to the sun. You be careful with the medications. Make sure that you know what could affect you because the sun is definitely one of those things. That is so interesting. Now I've got another thing that I need to look out for. <laughs> well, and, and a lot of the things that I read also explain that a lot of antidepressants, you know, those types of medications also have significant reactions. So, you know, just check the list or Google it. You know, all of us throw all that stuff out from the pharmacy, or at least I do. Mm-hmm. But okay, so the next topic on my list for this summer warnings was <laughs> dehydration. 
Now that's, that's another one. one. Actually, one of the top things that you need to keep in mind when it comes to dehydration is to make sure that you're not on medications that lead to dehydration. Mm. So interesting. What is dehydration? We always talk about it. We always tell people to drink water, but all of us in our bodies under normal conditions, we lose water through sweat, tears, breathing, urine, stool, you know, all those normal bodily functions that occur. And we have to replace those by drinking fluids or eating foods that contain water. But if a person is sick, say they have a fever or diarrhea or vomiting, or they're just not drinking as much fluid as they normally would, that can lead to dehydration. And one of the biggest causes of dehydration is a person who's overexposed to the sun and not drinking up enough fluids to make up for what's being burned off. That's kind of the best way to say it. So the thing with our bodies is when we get below this like kind of homeostasis level of fluids that we need, it can throw a lot of things off. The sodiums and salts in our body, potassium, all those different things that keep our body working like it should. So it's a very important thing to make sure if you're out in the sun that you're intaking enough fluids. And if you're at a music festival, sometimes <laughs> you feel like you don't want to drink a lot because you don't want to go wait in line at the porta pots, but True. you need to. It's for your own well-being. Even if the porta pots are gross, in the end, it's better to keep your fluid levels balanced like they should be. And you've taught us so many things that dehydration can lead to. Oh, yeah. Kid kidney stones and uh, so many different things. Yeah. Issues with your lymphatic system. I mean, hydration is really tied to everything. Some tips to make sure you avoid it, aside from just drinking, drinking, drinking. But especially if you're out in the sun, make sure that you're drinking more than you normally would. And I don't mean beer or wine. <laughs> that is very tempting, but those actually pull fluids out of your body. Mm -hmm. The goal is to take in more fluid than what you're losing. So um, if you know you're going to be doing something outside, try to schedule that in the cooler parts of the day. The music festival schedulers do not take that into account. So <laughs> you're going to have to make up for that on your own. Sports drinks or things containing electrolytes obviously can help. And with children, um, I know you and I have both purchased numerous containers of Pedialyte over our life cycle. Oh, yeah. And that is the really the, the best way, you know, adults can drink it too. That's fine. So when do we worry about hydration? If someone if our if our child or our friend has hot, dry skin, that's very flushed, but they're mm. not sweaty. Mm. That's a worry because that's usually a sign that their body temperature is high. And mm. that's not a good thing. Did you see anything with dehydration about chapped lips? Oh, yeah. That's one of the very first signs. That's the thing that I always look for with Fisher. Like, he will have the chapped, chappedest lips. <laughs> the, cha the, most, the most chappedest the most lips chaps. <laughs> that have ever 
happened. And I'm like, dude, you have got to drink something because your lips are white and crusty. And I mean, I will say that boys are kind of bad about that, even as they get older. Like, they'll just walk around. Like, you know me, Miranda. I have like 85 chapsticks. You have chapstick everywhere. Yes. Yes. And I mean, maybe that's the <laughs> reflection on me of, of something. But, you know, it it's just these boys, they'll walk around with these lips that look like they just came out of the desert and <laughs> act like it's totally fine. It's not fine. Get some fluids in, folks. You know, the heat stroke. Heat stroke is essentially when you have been in the heat so much that you have depleted your body of fluids, electrolytes, and all of the things that it needs to continue functioning like it should. So a lot of times dehydration, it goes in with that. You know, obviously they're kind of mixed together. Heat stroke can actually be very serious. And the important thing with that is if you think somebody might have heat stroke, which this is where we're talking like significant effect. Like I said, the hot, dry skin that's flushed, that's never a good sign. Like our boys, especially Miranda, get very flushed, but they're usually real sweaty. Mm -hmm. And stinky. Yeah, well, so if they have that, like, flushed look to them, but they're not sweaty, that's not a good sign. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. If they feel hot, like they have a fever, then also not a good sign. And some folks who end up dealing with heat stroke lose consciousness or they'll have, like, a tachycardia or a very, Mm -hmm. very fast heartbeat or even hallucinations, which is... Very, very common at Bonnaroo. Well, yeah, and that's from various (laughs) causes. But um, so, of course, you need to seek medical attention um, if any of those things are happening. The biggest thing that you can do to avoid heat stroke is to stay hydrated and make sure that you're wearing those sunscreens and limiting your time in the hottest part of the days. Make sure that you're taking breaks, whatever it is that you're doing. Even if you're at a music festival and you're out listening to a band, go sit in the shade for a little bit between, you know, whatever shows that you're going to drink some water while you're there. Make sure that you're doing whatever you can to stay indoors between the hottest hours of the day, which articles seem to argue over that, but... Uh, basically, I would say like 11 to 3 are hottest and mm-hmm. very the very middle of that, like noon and 1 being the peak hours. Never leave children or pets closed in cars or mm-hmm. on warm, sunny days. And this mm-hmm. is some of these tragic stories that we hear. That is usually heat stroke. Mm-hmm. You get so hot that your body can't function any longer like it should. And then, of course, make sure that you're consulting healthcare providers to make sure that you're taking whatever precautions you need, especially if you're folks that have like a chronic condition, anybody with like diabetes or liver issues or whatever the case may be, you have to take that into account. Even cardiac issues, you know, you have to be really careful that you're staying as hydrated as you can. So, There it is. Sun poisoning is just a really bad sunburn. Heat stroke is your body's so hot it can't function anymore like it should. 
And with all of those things, use a broad spectrum sunscreen with an SPF of at least 30 and stay hydrated. You will be so proud of me, Melanie, because when we went to the splash pad today, I had the 65 plus like plaque pasty sunscreen for Fisher. Yes, that's what we got. So we used the sunblock and I slathered him down so good. And then I actually slathered myself down because I want to take care of my skin and I don't want to get skin cancer, even though I also want to tan. I was sitting there slathered up in my sunscreen. I had my big water bottle beside me with like cold, just water, just just water, just water, just water. And I was good to go. And I just thought to myself, Melanie would be so proud of me right now. I would be. I am very proud of you. And I will say like one thing that I feel is important to mention is we know that this is a pain in the butt. It is a pain to slather these wiggling children with Mm -hmm. sunblock or sunscreen. Mm -hmm. They don't want it. You don't want to put it on yourself. Nobody wants it. Right. Nobody wants it. But to avoid serious situations like what I've just talked about, it's it's a necessary evil. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants skin cancer. We all know that. So y'all take care of yourselves. Put the sunblock on. Drink the water. What's our summertime spotlight tonight, Miss Melanie? Well... Our spotlight, I wanted to bookend this episode with stories of Bonnaroo, but Mm -hmm. when my husband was privileged to play at Bonnaroo, they were actually invited to do some recording uh, with a nonprofit, and that is who I'm going to highlight for our spotlight. They are called Notes, N-O-T-E-S, for notes, notes for notes. And the organization was founded in 2006 as an answer to the lack of contemporary musical equipment and programs in public schools. Oh, great. Um, so what they are trying to do is provide youth with music and product and music production instruction that produces both positive social, emotional, and creative growth, obviously. So what they do, they were kind of inspired, actually, by one of our former spotlights, the Big Brothers and Big Sisters program. And what they were trying, they're trying to do is create an environment where there are no barriers and youth will have access to instruments, gear, and producers. So they have places all over the country. There's 23 studios in 11 states and 14 cities. A lot of them are actually located within local boys and girls club youth facilities. Yeah, cool. And so it's kind of like a gateway and an opportunity for kids to explore music. And we're talking like drum kits and electric guitars and basses and and that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, so much cooler than the stuff I had when I was in school. Like, Oh, definitely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We had like those little sticks that you rolled across the little thing that was like... Giro. I believe it was called a Giro. Like, that's what we had. It was like, oh, this is great. A stick and a curvy block of wood. (laughs) Their website is Notes for Notes. And of course, they're a nonprofit. It's N O T E S 
F-O-R-N-O-T-E-S dot org. It looks like I pulled up their website and I know that, you know, we were at Bonnaroo. So it was their Nashville studio that was on site at Bonnaroo. They had kind of like a tiny house, like mobile studio, which was really cool. It looks like they're very largely located in like music cities. So think like L.A., Austin, Memphis, Nashville, Detroit, Harlem. They have a Harlem location. Uh, so very cool. You know, our kiddos need this opportunity to mm-hmm. create their own independence. And that is the goal of Notes for Notes. So y'all check them out. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com.